This is the Lingaholics Podcast with Cody, Marcus, and Ian, where we dive deep into conversations about the experiences and endeavors of the language learning life. On this pod, we feature a wide variety of guests and topics with nonstop passion and nonstop fun. There's no last call for Lingahol, so come on in and join the show. This is episode 46 of the Lingaholics podcast. We are here talking about languages, the never-ending subject. So here we go again. And today uh, we got an awesome, awesome guest. Uh, a guy that I've been kind of keeping in my back pocket as a guest uh, from Marcus and Cody for a while. But uh, it's the summer of talking languages and just getting more and more people on our podcast we want to welcome here today um the one and only uh jack forden who i met at the 2017 polyglot gathering in bratislava so let's throw it over here to jack and welcome to the podcast how are you doing today jack good great to be here thanks for having me thanks man (laughs) so happy when you said like hey man yeah come on come on the show so yeah man talking lots of languages your language story here today and let's uh bring in the podcasteros that i do this show with uh vamonos korea with uh cody looking nice and relaxed uh oh yeah soul lounging he's lounging just lounging just chilling having a good time here nice man yeah Korea's. Or do you oh. care to elaborate on your situation? Care to elaborate why you're so relaxed? Yeah, I mean, I just got a job, so that's hey. good. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I um, yeah, it was uh, just going crazy, applying for jobs last week, just like a madman sending out like hundreds of e- well, not hundreds of emails, but <laughs> a lot of emails, and I managed to to snag a job on on friday they're going to send me a contract on monday and i'm going to be starting work there in a couple weeks so looks like my 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 future here is a little bit more secure now for the next year and other than that um not too much just been enjoying my time here um it's been a lot more social than kyungju was so it's been good um and of course, COVID is still a thing here. And they were planning on like slowly getting rid of some of the restrictions, but there was like a little bit of a spike in cases recently. So now they're like, oh no, we're gonna we're gonna keep things the way they are. So I mean, uh me being here in Seoul with all these COVID restrictions as Alberta literally goes back to complete normal life is very, very frustrating for me to watch but i mean what yeah, can you do Cody, you're having a good time man you can't complain 
I know I'm, I'm not, come on, man. I, I'm yeah. I'm having a good time here in Seoul. Um, it's been, it's been wonderful and I'm looking forward to the next year here. It's okay. Good. So just let us know. How's the Korean going? Yeah. So the Korean is uh, slowly getting better. Like I said, I, I still haven't done any like formal studying with any of my textbooks and like dedicated study time, but uh, I've still been using Korean a lot about the same as I said in the last podcast. And other than that, my um, my German and French is getting put in use sometimes at the house. Um, the other day, I went to lunch with some of the German guys, and we were speaking German the whole time. Nice. And super I was doing guy. really well. I was super just like, guy. yeah, I was just riffing with them the whole time, and it felt great. And uh, other than that, Spanish, I haven't done any Spanish really since I've been here. And same with Chinese, like. I've heard some Chinese people speaking on the street, but like that's about like the extent of, of my Chinese has been here so far. So yes, mostly just been Korean, a little bit of French, German, um, just kind of on the maintenance wave right now. Nice, so, man. It's a yeah. good amount. I mean, oh so yeah. Lang- I mean, I wouldn't have expected that you'd have so many opportunities to use French or German and in Korea. I guess yeah, I'm like, well, I'm. Are you in Seoul? It's cause, yeah, it's because I'm staying in a in an Airbnb right now, and it's a shared house, and there's a bunch of French and German people there. Nice. Okay. Yeah. International yeah, so, city. So, Marcus, I'll throw it over to you. What's going on? Well, thanks, there, bud. Well, not much. I just got back from playing soccer. That's my latest pastime. I play soccer like every day, but <clears throat> I hurt my shoulders. I don't know how. I think I got tackled. Now they hurt, which is a problem because tomorrow I have my first baseball or softball practice, which I'm very excited for. Uh, so we'll see. Hopefully I can throw a ball. Anyway, uh, very exciting stuff here in Ontario. We're getting out of lockdown slowly. Um, any Okay, so what am I doing? Well, so I'm on Twitter now and I'm having a blast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm on Twitter and I'm having a blast. So I've been tweeting uh, excessively almost throwing out a couple tweets every day which is nice you know i've been getting getting some feedback on them ian's comment commenting on like all of them which is nice so, <laughs> so you know getting some interactions yeah, getting some engagements yes go. awesome and uh, <clears throat> what else uh for okay so no italki class this weekend unfortunately i was gonna teach french, on italki no 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 i take italki classes students. i take oh, okay. classes all right uh so i usually do every other week spanish french uh, this weekend was French weekend, but I kind of procrastinated and forgot to book a class, so I skipped it. So I'll I'll, <clears throat> I'll go over to Spanish with my uh, with my tío, my tío Gonza. Next weekend I'll do Spanish again, and then <clears throat> I'll jump on the French wagon again in two weeks. So skipping, You're taking skip. Quebecois French. Wait, wait, yeah. wait. Okay. Wait. Yeah, Marcus has been hard. <laughs> <on> <laughs> wait. Any, but still, I did. I did. I probably spent two or three hours today watching French videos on YouTube, Quebecois videos on YouTube, and uh, <clears throat> slowly learning some vocab. So I have a Quebec phrase for you guys. The phrase mm-hmm. of the weekend. Oh yeah. The Quebec phrase. The Quebec phrase on the weekend. It's not going to be Thierry and Boucheron or something like that, is it? Pardon? It's not going to be Thierry and Boucheron or something like that. No, no, no. Pull, no, no, pull no. up the log. Te don't ben faint. Te don't ben faint. That means you were like really nice. You were very nice. Like you were a very nice person. That don't bang faint. 
I would have thought it's like <laughs> that makes thing. me really that makes you really hungry or something. Yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> and then also a second one. I went, I went, I went, macho, my went. That that's like to go. Allons-y. I went. Okay. I went. So those are my two uh, Quebec Quebecois phrases for the week. Um, nice. That was nice. And then also I had I I tweeted this after doing a couple hours of French. Um, I went back and I watched a bunch of uh, Spanish videos on YouTube and I had a tweet. Ian, you saw the tweet. Um, like going back after studying French for a couple hours, going and consuming material in Spanish is so enjoyable. Like it's so effortless. I just go mm. on YouTube. I find like my favorite Spanish YouTuber who just uploaded some clip and it's so enjoyable to watch. Like I don't really have to like it's I don't really have to pay well I have to pay attention but it's not that much of an effort like like French is right so relatively it's a lot more enjoyable well I enjoy I enjoy doing French but it's more of a mental workout and then I go back to Spanish and it's like it's so relaxing and it's so uh effortless that's Mm. that's what I how how I would define it but anyway man enough talking about me Jack, no, it's no. nice to have you on the pod, man. And uh, I know you're American, and we're on the eve of America Day today. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I know you must be excited yeah. about that. Oh, um, I don't know. Is excited the right word? Um, <laughs> it's whatever. I mean, yeah, it'll be fine. I'm going to go see some fireworks tomorrow. Um, people that know me will know I'm not the most patriotic person, but... Fair enough. Fair. I'm not the most patriotic person. I'm honestly, either, but... I was more excited to celebrate Canada Day in like 2017. <laughs> Forced my whole family to drive across the border. Oh, really? It was going to be like some big celebration. But there was like really not that much going on for like the no. 150th anniversary. We like we had to like look for fireworks or anything. So oh, oh, wow. a little bit of a culture shock. Oh, really? Oh, I yeah. thought we would have went all out. Everywhere. Yeah, I'm surprised to hear that because I, I I'm not surprised right now because right now there's um, due to like the recent developments with all those residential schools there's a big controversy about yeah. Canada Day right now. Yeah, so. we canceled but, Canada but Day four years year. ago. Yeah. Four years ago, that was our big. Yeah, that was our big one. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I was in like the Windsor area, so right. there's not much going on there. <laughs> I've never been. I'm just a. Alberta boy who doesn't stray too far from home too often <laughs> but when I did stray to uh to Europe the one time so Jack uh can you just uh uh do you remember when we first met yeah, yeah I remember <laughs> yeah I was we were like in, we were in the same room at a hostel yeah I mean I yeah. think I met you actually we were both check were we both checking in at the same time or something yeah like that? Yeah. yeah I just remember I was walking like, up polyglot gathering or what was it? yeah gathering yeah <laughs> yep. yeah yeah man because i remember walking up and then like this guy's speaking czech but he didn't like look super czech or whatever <laughs> and then like uh like in my and then we were like rooming together and uh yeah man so it's been a while since we chatted so uh just not even for our podcast but can you like kind of let's go back even further like your language story you've been mm-hmm. How did how did languages come about for you? Like I know you went you went to um, high school in Germany and then uh, I did one year of high school. One Germany. year in high school, my, okay. my senior year. Right, right. Um, but for me, it really started. I mean, what I usually say is it started when I was like maybe ten, and it was really kind of out of the blue. I mean, I was just 
going to a library with my mom. And then I saw this book on Spanish and I was like, hmm, it'd be cool to learn another language. So then I just like started learning Spanish like really intensively. And my, uh, my grandma studied Spanish in college and she had lived in Spain for a little bit. So that actually helped a lot getting into it. And uh, yeah, so I mean, for like the first two years of me being interested in languages, it was mainly Spanish. And then I started kind of wanting to like branch out to other languages, but I didn't know which one. Um, but yeah, then I slowly started branching out to other ones. Yeah. So. Okay. So it started when I was pretty young. That's really young. No, like Cody, I know you yeah, started. I was, I was I was a weird kid. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. All polyglots got a little. Because Cody and yours was in more in high school. A crazy. Though. A little yeah, crazy. Yeah, I, I started uh, German when I was in grade twelve. Right. Okay. And you, you guys have to take French though, right? Or is that in Alberta? Do they like, uh, they rebel against that? Yeah, we, we have to take French, but uh, you know, the, 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 the rules have changed over the years. And I know I, cause Ian, you're four years older than me. So I don't know if there was any difference, but when I was in middle school, French was optional. I, I, I was like, I'm right. from the most like Anglo part of Alberta. So um, we, French was optional in middle school and again in high school. And that was really the only options. Yeah. And I took, I took, um, French when I was in middle school, but I didn't want to take it in high school. <laughs> and like, it's, it's so, it's like, it's just so ironic that when I was in grade 10, my grade 10 brain was like, I had a choice between French and like, uh, IT and I chose IT because I was like, oh, I don't need to speak French later on. And like, yeah. I feel <laughs> and yeah, like, I'm, I'm like beating, yeah, I want to beat my 16 year self up, my 16 year old self up for that. Be like, no, dude, like you should have taken French. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's understandable because when you feel like you're forced to do something, you kind of want to rebel against it. I mean, probably yeah. more so in Canada where like it's pretty mandatory to learn French, but even here, when people are expected to learn Spanish or even take any language for a few years, they kind of rebel against it. By here, I mean in the U.S. Right. Yeah. Are you guys required like foreign languages, like in your like um, middle, junior kind high? Kind of. High there was this when when I was in high school, so like 2010 to 2013, um, they just started requiring students to take two years of a foreign language any foreign language but you know i can count on one hand the amount of people i know growing up that could hold a conversation in another language right right okay because yeah there's just there's just not much interest for it so they take so. it but it's kind of like whatever yeah i mean that's not to say that the classes aren't are, aren't good but yeah um i think it's with anything like if you aren't really interested in it then you know yeah. You don't really learn it as well. So Jack, you started taking Spanish in when again? Um, I started really taking Spanish in high school, but up until high school, up until ninth grade, I was learning it on my own a lot. Okay. Um, so how yeah. was, so my question is how, how good was your Spanish at the time when you started learning it in high school? Well, um, I would say it was pretty good. Uh, I mean, far from perfect, but it was pretty good. Uh, 
I mean, I was able to skip a lot of classes. I mean, I went into Spanish for honors when I uh, was a freshman. And then the next year as a sophomore, I did, um, there's something called AP classes here in the US. I don't know if you have them in Canada. You can use it as a credit. I don't think for languages. University. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So then I took um, Spanish AP the next year. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Spanish for a long time was like my favorite language and I worked really hard on it. I haven't worked on it that much recently. I still like it, but. Okay, right. but it was still, I can imagine that AP Spanish was still really easy for you. Yeah. What and level there, would mean, you say this... the AP Spanish, the AP Spanish was in? Like in the reg conventional like the A to European C scale? framework? Oh, okay. Uh, B2, maybe. B2, okay. Yeah. That's still pretty good. Okay. Yeah. For, for high school, I mean, that's pretty good. People could hold, hold their own in Spanish, but... Yeah, no, it's not like really. I think if you want to go on to get really good at Spanish, you'd study it at university afterwards. Yeah, but right. So even in oh, just a a, a peculiar or a particular question that that I have because I have zero uh, academic experience in Spanish, but in mm -hmm. in AP Spanish, do they still only because Ian is a Spanish teacher, right? He only teaches yeah. like Latin American Spanish, but but oh, yeah. in AP Spanish, do they? It's only Latin American Spanish. Um, really, in the I mean, probably in most of North America, yeah. I mean, they mention yeah. vosotros, like, <laughs> yeah. passing by, but we never learn the forms. I mean, I kind of know them through osmosis, uh -huh. uh, uh -huh. yeah. I, you know, but no, we never learned it. It was always just ustedes, ustedes, ustedes. <laughs> and, and, so, and, and, and I so like you, it that way. So, I mean, I'm fine with it. See, Marcus, <laughs> and, see. And, and how yeah. do they teach you to pronounce the letter C, like in car? Um, well, so first of all, um, I mean, I, I shouldn't generalize for all of the U.S., but in my high school experience, uh, it was considered cool to try and have like as bad of a pronunciation as possible. So really, I mean, okay. I don't know if they taught you how to pronounce it at all. I mean, generally speaking, I don't think anyone tried to do like the fifteo. Yeah, uh, the that's what that's what that's what I'm going at. Yeah, but no, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but there was no fifthing going on. Because you know, my favorite thing about Spanish is the how varied it is among the different um, Spanish-speaking countries. Yeah, and I think it would be interesting. Where I, but the thing that I think is interesting is you know the fifthing in in Spain, how that differs from the Latin American accents, right? Yeah, there's so much variety, and then and also they, just they, with like the pronouns too, like vosotros. Yeah. Uh, I was in El Salvador and they were teaching me there about like they use another one, voice, which is, yeah. I mean, there's voice mm. all over the place, but they have a special voice, which is like, it's more, it's less, even less formal than tu. So it's like voice, tu, like tu is almost like usted for them and then usted. Yeah. So yeah, it was it's strange like that. Yeah. Some countries are strange like that. Some countries don't even use tu at all. Like Costa yeah, Rica, like, you never use tu. Or Argentina, tu. right? Yeah, Argentina, yeah, never use like Uruguay, yeah. I never yeah. thought how voice is less formal than two, because uh, even my Mexican buddy Arturo, he never replies e tu to me. Like we're like always super friendly, and he's always replying with voz to me. He's Mexican. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, Mexican. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, it, no, it's puzzling. But he does that. Like, like southern Mexico somewhere. No, I, I know, and it's yeah, yeah. I know. I get the. He's from Monterrey, which is northern Mexico. But it's funny though. Oh, like, okay. he's always using. Oh. Maybe he's being ironic. He might be yeah, a, he's he's an ironic guy. He's an ironic guy. So, yeah, but yeah, okay. So in El Salvador, like even our buddy Jose. So Vos is even more friendlier than two. 
if I remember correctly, I think that's what they taught me. Yeah, yeah, that makes that kind of makes sense now. So it depends, right? In certain places, two just doesn't exist. Like it yeah, doesn't. They probably. don't use it. Yeah, yeah. At all. Right, like Nicaragua is Vos as well. Yeah, Vos is big, but they don't teach you that in AP Spanish, do they? No. Yeah, I have to say, I had, I had actually, I mean, I had a really good Spanish teacher uh, for AP Spanish. Um, half of like the old timey Spanish songs that I know, I know because of her, cause she would put on random old songs every day when we come into class, like, um, like. Guantanamera or whatever, something like that. I don't know. So, <laughs> still stuck in your head. <laughs> so, what do you do? What so? What do you learn in AP Spanish? Is it like a bunch of subjuntivo, or like subjuntivo, how? How is AP yeah. Spanish? Subjuntivo. You know, it's hard to remember. It's so long ago at this point. Uh, but yeah, not a lot of like. So I, I did. I took Spanish when I was in Germany too for a year. Uh, they had a Spanish class at the school I was at. And what I really like there is that they really encourage like reading novels in the in whatever language you're learning. Like they had to re us read a book in in French class too, and we didn't really. If I mean, I don't remember us doing that in AP Spanish, trying to read books. Um, mm -hmm. But probably short stories. I think there were some some short stories. Um, a lot of so a lot of reading, a lot of literature, songs. Yeah, and then also like a lot of grammar. You know, because the main point of it is to pass the AT, AP test at the end. Yeah, um, that's what everyone's kind of aiming for. So, and there's a lot of grammar in that. And there was actually practicing for the test too. That's so annoying. yourself. It that was back so like, annoying. Yeah. So, what what do you think? Do you agree with that? With um with the, the teaching that me method? thinking that it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um. Or did do you I think? Because Cody, because we we have different I don't think schools it was of thought. At the time, but. I could see how if you're really interested in Spanish and you want to learn Spanish, like focusing just on the test would be probably annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we have different schools of thought here. Cody loves to study grammar in school and I've oh, never I, done I it and I hate too, it. Honestly. Okay. All right. So we're <laughs> different. I like both. Cody and I Jack. Like both. Cause what I did, I learned how to, I learned the language and then I learned the grammar. That's my, Oh I man, but I just, I can't, but it, you know, yeah, Jack, I actually got a question for you. Like, mm -hmm. how was learning Spanish through German? Oh, um, so actually, after like 17 or so, because um, I went on to, and I went to university in Germany too, actually. Um, yeah. Most of my language learning was through German. And I actually loved that. I thought it was a lot of fun. That's so cool. Um, I got to the point where I was Learning a language through English is boring, but then like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of fun. It was like an extra layer. And then like when I was in Russia, I was buying like uh, Greek books in Russia, in Russian from like the local university. I just, I always thought that was kind of fun. It was like a way to like yeah. double down. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if like Marcos, like, I don't know if at any point, if you just learned English through osmosis or like if you, yeah, you were I never, like young, never if you thought studied that was English, I never oh, studied okay. English, uh, never, never really studied Spanish. I all, also osmosis French, yeah. the same, like, I don't, I don't study grammar. I, so what I do is I'm aware uh -huh. of the grammar because when, once I know it intuitively, once I've learned it intuitively, I go back and look up the grammar and then I'm like, oh, okay. that makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, like that. People, you're yeah. never going to learn the Spanish subjunctive 
through a grammar book. That's never going to happen. You have to learn it intuitively. You have to kind of feel it, yeah. I have to feel it. And, then and also you, you have back. to resign yourself to that. I mean, you're probably never going to get it 100% right. I mean, like, imperfect and, um, what is it? What is the normal Perfect, past tense? Um, Perfecto. Preterito indefinido. Preterito, yeah. Yeah. Like, I've resigned myself. I mean, maybe if I really wanted to get good at Spanish, but, like, I know that I make mistake. I make mistakes when I when I do that. And that's and fine. Like, whatever. That's fine. Yeah. But, but like, my point is, tube, whatever. <laughs> like, like learning the learning, like take whichever one you want. Learning the rules for subjunctive, for example. Mm-hmm. Like for example, like I, I was, I remember being told, okay, every time you say deseo or espero, always use the subjunctive form afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. how the hell does that make sense? But now, mm-hmm. I, so I didn't really, I disregard it completely mm-hmm. in yeah. my in my speech. And now after listening to so much Spanish, I just intuitively understand when to use it mm-hmm. and when not to use it. So now it just kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. Because you're like, now, kinda, now going do you back, feel so, that like, sorry, go ahead. So one more thing. When going back now, looking at the rules, the rules make sense to me, yeah. uh, like retroactively, if that makes uh-huh. any sense. Um, yeah. And that's, that, hence, that's my, my uh, approach to grammar. You learn the language intuitively first, then you go back and then learn the rules. Mm. It's a lot easier. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, I don't yeah. know. Well, I, you I don't know think what, I've ever tried to do that way. I think um, I think this whole like learning grammar thing, we've it's kind of like a dead horse that we've just yeah. No, we hammer that a lot. Yeah. Well, I think I, I if we can switch gears here, um, I was in the bathroom before. Uh, the pod when we when you guys were talking about this but so i'd like to hear it again but jack you said you were when you were in sweden you were on a train that caught on fire what what was yeah, that okay. <laughs> let's hear this um well when i was 19 um i i'd worked for a few months at home i didn't really have a plan yet for what i was going to do saved up some money and then i went over to europe and i got um what for americans is called a Eurail pass um europeans will know it as an interrail pass and Basically, you can just, depending on how much you spend on it, you can take a certain number of days to travel on a train around Europe. And um, growing up, I had this, this is like going way back. I'm looking at the whole story now. <laughs> oh, good, um, good. I had I had this babysitter from Norway and I was like in the market for a new language. I was like, I'd like to learn a new language. <laughs> so um, I was like, I want to learn Norwegian. So I like, I got back in touch with this babysitter from Norway. And I was like, hey, do you have any relatives in Norway? And then so she like, yeah, she set me up with some people to stay with them. And um, because I had this train ticket, I mean, normally you would probably fly. It'd be like a one hour trip. Um, but I took a 40 hour train trip to get there. From, Why not? <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, I mean, it was an experience. What's the location here? Um, it was in Hugeland. So like the southwest of Norway. Stavanger, like close yeah, to Yeah, I know Stavanger. Yeah. Yeah, but um, they, 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 so they, they speak there with an interesting dialect from Norwegian, and I don't pretend to imitate it very well, but um, they speak with a skara er, like with a r instead of a r, like they usually in Norwegian. So is that the New Norsk? Yeah, it's closer to New Norsk, New Norsk. And like, yeah, and in the east they would say Norsk, but in the, in the west they say Norsk. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, mm. there, there's a lot of differences in dialects but anyways i'm getting off track on the way back um i was going to take the train from norway to germany and um i actually i had booked a ferry ticket from i 
forget what the, uh, there's some town in southern Norway, you can take a ferry from there to Hirtshals and uh, in Denmark, and I was gonna take the train from there. But uh, the train was late, so I missed the ferry, and then I had to take a train from that place to, to Oslo, and then from Oslo to um, Malmö, and then Malmö, Copenhagen, but the train between, um, there was a Jutteburg and Malmö caught fire. So that was kind of <laughs> Those scary. are nice trains so. though that go in between Jutteborg and, and Malmö. Yeah, I just remember them saying like, yeah, the train has caught fire, so we're gonna have to stop here. Oh. And then there were a lot of people like <laughs> um, people flooding out. the information desk, like I need to get here, I need to get there. And so then I missed my next connection. I was supposed to get a train from Copenhagen straight to where I was going in Germany. Um, I don't know. It was an adventure. It was definitely an adventure. So, yeah. Yeah, traveling. I find like traveling has always uh, got surprises for us. Like um, this. So when I I don't know if I've told this story on the pod, but when I was in China, I took a I took a trip a trip up to uh, Beijing, and then I went to Inner Mongolia, and I took the train. Inner Mongolia is still it's like a an autonomous region of China. It's not actually mm-hmm. Mongolia. So. Um, one day I took a, a train from, from Beijing to Hohat, which is like the capital city of that region. And it was a, it was a 12 hour overnight train ride on the slow train. And it was the most horrible train ride of my life. <laughs> it was the most horrible traveling experience in general of my life. It was, a, um, so the whole time, uh, the train was full of people and there were people smoking and drinking and yelling on the train the whole time sounds fun and this is this is an over and and there was no beds i didn't have a bed i was sitting in a chair and you were facing people like all the chairs were facing each other and there was this one like tiny table that one person could maybe rest their head on so what was the trip it was 12 hours Jeez. <laughs> overnight so i it, so i was by the time i got to the city and i went to my hotel i was so exhausted that i took a nap i was like oh i'm gonna take a quick one hour nap and then get going and explain the city i woke up eight hours later <laughs> so <laughs> yeah you think you save yeah. time on like a night train you're gonna sleep on the train but then <laughs> yeah boy was i wrong your so, body's no yeah uh okay. <laughs> What's that? Oh, come on, man! You can we get Jack going Russian on Russian really now too. What? Can we get Jack yeah, yeah, going on Russian? Social, but I just, yeah. <laughs> I got a little, little break in the audio. Oh yeah, we went music. into our Russian. Right, Marcus's few phrases of Russian. Yeah. So, um, okay. Yeah, to pitch Stony Butch. Was it? Sorry. Yeah, to pitch Piva. Okay. Yeah, to pitch Piva. You understand that, Ian? Uh, okay. All right. Jack, Russian story, though. Okay, so Jack, use this phrase, like, in the market for a new language. Uh-huh. Which you are a lot. <laughs> You've done that a lot. You're in the... So, okay, Spanish, and then I, was it German after? Um, after that, so I did. I had like a, so when I was first deciding what my third language was going to be, I had like a two-week stint with Thai, and I don't remember any of it. 
I remember like one. Oh, tie. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I remember at the time I was like 12, I was writing Thai letters all over the place, <laughs> driving my parents crazy. But then actually, then I went to Chinese. Chinese was the next one for me. Ooh, and that was then my like oh, next nice. love. So. Oh, interesting. Okay. I thought that came later for you. Oh, okay. No, that was the, that was the next one, Chinese. Yeah. And then, I mean, I spent a lot of time in China, um, going back quite a bit now. Spent, Where in China um, were you? Uh, I was, so the first time I went, I was in Beijing. And the second I was in Beijing again. And then the third time I went for six months and I was in Shanghai. Oh, yeah. Nice. So, yeah. And that's where your Mandarin took off? Yeah. Those yeah, I'd say, yeah, the first time I went to China is when it started to really take off. I got better right. at it. And, yeah. Okay. Is that been your one big Asian language? Well, then? I'm doing Japanese now, actually, too. Oh, are you? Okay. I, was... I guess the listeners won't be able to see this, but I got a book oh, right here to learn it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, how is... But I'm, I, I'm not good at it yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just a little... It's like it's like a hobby, you know. So, sometimes I feel like the need to just try, try a new language. Yeah. Even if, like, the goal isn't necessarily to get super fluent. So the yeah. dabble life, man. Welcome to the dabble. dabble life. Okay, wait, wait, wait. wait. Yeah, the dabble life. Where does your urge? Where does your urge come from, though, to dabble, or just try something new? Because because well, you're with a honest, couple actually, disciplinarians I mean, here, and Cody and Marcus, no, that are very focused. Yeah, but no, I'm to be honest, honest, these urges. No, um, I would say actually, when I do learn, when I start picking up a language, I do. I don't want to just like know like a few phrases and how to order food. Like I do <laughs> yeah, actually want yeah. to have like a conversation but um some languages have stuck and yeah, some okay. languages i dabble in for a while and then i kind of just i get pretty good at them and then they kind of i kind of let them slide i mean that's kind of the way it was with with greek um right got pretty good at greek then i just did nothing with it after like i was well building up to a trip to greece and then after right. that and so, did you do that trip yeah yeah oh, I went okay to, i went there yeah, I actually, have, I have a YouTube video of like my progress too. Right, um, right. I think that's after we had met. Yeah, that was 2018. Okay, 2018. right. Now, does that feel like a mission accomplished? Like after you've, say, studied up the language, go do a trip, have a, like have an awesome time there with it? And then you could, is that when you can maybe like be at peace with like letting a language um, go? I wouldn't say that I'm ever really at peace with it. Okay. I mean, okay. I always have these like, like these textbooks just staring at me from my bookshelf. <laughs> right. Like I have my Hungarian textbook looking at me right now. There's a Greek textbook. Um, so I would say it was in a way a mission accomplished because I went there and I was, I mean, I didn't have to go to the hospital or anything. That would have probably been a different story, but I right, carried out right. my whole trip in Greek. Like I talked to the person at the hotel in Greek talk to the taxi drivers in Greek. I ordered my food in Greek. So I would say in that sense, yes. But I mean, it is kind of sad because I know that if I were to go to Greece now, that wouldn't be the case, you know? Right. So, but you so, made the experience for yourself though. So Marcus, sorry. So Steve Kaufman had an interesting tweet. Sorry guys, I'm all over the Twitter game now, but okay. Steve Kaufman had an interesting tweet and I'm curious to know what, what uh, Jack, what you think about it. So it was basically along the lines of, um, so I'm paraphrasing now. Uh, he said, so people ask me often how I maintain my 20 plus languages that I speak. And the answer is 
I don't. I don't. Yeah. I was going to say. You saw this one? So, you saw no, this one? I was just one. like, I just like, yes. I can relate to that so much. I like knew where he was going to go with that. Right, right. And then, so I'm going to continue now. So basically the way the tweet went was, um, I let them become rusty. And if you were to come up to me and talk to me in that language and, and, and one of the rusty languages, I wouldn't, I would probably not be able to talk to you. However, if I start studying or relearning that language, it comes back to me really fast and I become better than ever before very quickly. Yeah, I would say that sounds about right. Um, I kind of liken it sometimes to my running stints. Like um, I get in and out of like running a lot. Um, I'm currently out of it. And then when I get back into it, yeah. uh, at first it's tough, but then like it's it's easier to get back into it every time. And I'd right. say that's kind of similar with languages too. I mean, um, if I start, if I pick up a language I haven't touched in a long time, it will start to come back really, really fast. Um, but yeah, no, there's no way that I don't, you'd have to spend your whole day maintaining like 20 languages. Yeah. And Can't uh, do it. no, and it's kind of sad because like, when you, when you meet all these people from all around the world, these polyglot events and whatnot, you'll meet them during different stages in your, like, in your language mm-hmm. uh, journey with certain languages. And then sometimes you'll go back and your language will be a lot better, but often you'll like see them again and the language you were speaking to them in is a lot worse. And you're like, oh, right. this is embarrassing. But it's just, I don't know. I think that's just the way it is. Okay, but for you, because I, I know how deep you get on some of these. Like for Czech, for you right now, uh-huh. like how's your Czech? Has that been something like that's been rusty, or could you go right back into um, a Czech conversation right now? I would say I could have a conversation in Czech right now. Um, yeah. But would you say it's waned a down a little? Really good level with it, but then, yeah, I haven't really used it. Yeah. Well, I just, I don't work on it anymore. It's one of the languages, because I've been, I've been studying conference interpreting um, at a school in Paris for the last yeah. two years. Yeah. And I have, I have four languages there. Uh, so English is my native and then German um, as my active non-native language and then uh, Russian and French as my two passive languages. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to spend most of my time working on those languages. And actually I had to put a lot of work on uh, getting my English back up to speed. <laughs> oh, you're, you're English. Yeah, because I mean, I, I, went to, I went to school in Germany and all my classes were in German and I was very adamant. I was like very anti-English over there. Oh, I was like very adamant. <laughs> well, about... I remember, man, I remember. You. Oh yeah, oh, you were... okay. Because <laughs> I think our only conversation we had in English was at the hostel the very first time we met. <laughs> And then everything after that was like no English. Yeah, no, I was yeah pretty intense about that. <laughs> but yeah, I was I like, it. I liked it. No, I, I I don't know. I just yeah, I wanted my whole life to be over there in German. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, I think I succeeded in I succeeded in that um, in a lot of respects. But um, for interpreting and translation, you have to be like very good at expressing yourself and be able to express a lot of differences and. I, I kind of lost that. So in yeah. English, anyways, I've been really working just on those four languages recently. Yeah. And sometimes it feel like, feels like I'm not working on any of them. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So does English come back to you when you go home? 
yeah so how I mean, quickly I've, well uh i would say i'm pretty back into english at this point because um i was in france up until when the pandemic hit and i've been pretty much back in the states since then i'm going back over in august but um yeah i mean i've been mainly just speaking english now for about a year and a half so, so it come it comes back eh? yeah because so. when i go back to swecklandia every yeah. once in a while it takes a couple of days to me for me to get recalibrated yeah and i'm always like messing stumbling on words saying the wrong thing like i'm still like yeah. like i said before in my tweet i'm agile in the language but it's still like yeah. I'm, me- i'm messing yeah. up a lot and i'm not i would as... say it's, it's probably more difficult for someone that speaks swedish or really any english language that's not english because you're pretty much you're exposed to english to a certain extent no matter where you go in the world but yeah. swedish i mean if you're in canada you're probably not going to be exposed to it at all so i can imagine well, i still talk of... to my parents Oh, okay. Yeah, but like other than that, other than that, though. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. But you know, every once in a while, I go a few weeks without saying a word in Swedish, and I kind of yeah. lose it. And then I'm like on on the phone with my mom, and I'm trying to explain something like semi complicated, and I like I fail. I, I just like fail. It's it's pretty bad sometimes. And I'm like, holy crap, this is my native language. I can't even communicate. Yeah, no. And like another thing, it's like I haven't written too. or read in. Re- Reading? No, read. <laughs> we can make a new passport. I haven't written or read anything in Swedish in probably 10 years. Holy and my my spelling is is complete crap in Swedish. Like crap. <laughs> like my my writing and reading ability in English is much better mm-hmm. than in Swedish. No, like like magnitudes. That was the way it was for me in German too. Because I mean I wrote all my papers for school in German and they're I mean I haven't I haven't written anything in a while now period but I was much better writing in German than than English at the end of my degree yeah but it's interesting so so how can you relate to this because I feel sometimes that my English is like under part like I I couldn't even say red like right now right I don't know what's what's going on like I just lost the word red so I have this issue I feel like my brain is not balanced. I, I sometimes I feel like I don't have a native language. And it's also interesting because, and I don't want to trash talk anyone, but our friend Alejandro was mess from Mexico, was messing with our friend uh, Jose from El Salvador. And he moved, he, Jose moved from El Salvador to Canada when he was like 15 or 13 or something like that. 17, and yeah, he he's not like he, He obviously speaks Spanish with his family, but but he yeah. mostly speaks English. And Alejandro messes with, like he jokes with with Jose all the time that he, he doesn't have a native language because his Spanish isn't as good as his or something like that. Like yeah. his Spanish isn't as good as it would have been if he lived in a Spanish-speaking country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then again, his English is like, <laughs> no, no, like it's good, obviously, but it's not like a native English speaking level. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, I don't know. I think it depends on like. I mean, I can definitely relate with that for sure. Um, but so I would have said like, prior to starting to study in, uh, interpreting, like that's ridiculous. Like obviously, everyone has a native language, and yeah, everyone does have a native language. But um, like, it takes a lot of work, even in your native language, to be able to express yourself really mm-hmm. um, eloquently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it and does. I. I Yeah, and it, it, I think I have also kind of like this, um, 
inferiority complex sometimes when speaking English too, just because I feel like sometimes <laughs> I just can't find the right words or I sound silly, probably mm. less so in like conversations like this, but especially when I'm around interpreters because mm. they put so much importance on speaking really well and completely uh, mastering yeah. your, mm. your native language. So, right. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Cause, Cause I live my life. Like every week I speak like five languages, right? Yeah. I buy talkie classes. I consume a lot of podcasts. Whatever. So I feel like I've, I'm sacrificing, I'm sacrificing being really good in one language, but instead spreading out that language competence over like mm -hmm. four or five different languages, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's Which so I, I prefer, I prefer it that way, yeah. Yeah. but I'm sorry. I, I just want to highlight, I just want to emphasize that I, I feel like I'm sacrificing like ultra fluency in one language. That's the, that's the polyglot's dilemma though, no? Yeah. Yeah. Of... Yeah, but, but I never knew if anyone yeah. could relate to that yeah. or not. I but you, so. well, you know, like, I think, um, so this is interesting for me and Ian. So you guys talking about how um, you you feel like you're not really, you just kind of like lose your ability in your native. I, this is something that I think Ian and I cannot relate to. And I don't think we ever will relate to because English for Ian and I is just so embedded and so strong. Okay, it's but Jack, Jack's from Michigan. Man. Like, yeah, yeah, and I would on, say, I would, and I would on, say Cody. now... Yeah, but like it's a little different because like I've um, I've never had that experience of like losing any of my English. Jack, what were you going to say, bud? Uh, I was just going to say, um, I think now I would say I'm generally I'm at a pretty good level with my English. I don't think that uh, now it's the, more the other way around. I'm more worried that like sometimes I'll like I was I was um, Skyping with a friend in Germany recently and I was like hitting some walls with certain words where usually before I come back to the States, it was the other way around. And so mm. where, where was I going with this? Basically what I, um, what I was going to say is for, there was a period of time in my life where um, I was like, I was completely fine with losing my English to a certain extent. I didn't really care. I wanted to be right. really fluent in German. I almost wanted German to be more my language. So I worked really hard on that. Um, but right, right, right. yeah, I've kind of, I think I've, for the most part, I've kind of reversed that. Okay. Cause I remember you at the no. polyglot gathering having those like thick books in German, like those novels. Was yeah. I, oh, was I carrying around those pretending I was reading them? <laughs> well, I, remember, I was like, this guy is hardcore. Like, so Jack, would you say that you've attained native fluency in German? Um, I would say, uh, like yeah, without being pretty humble much. now. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say that it's now it's kind of like it's rust. It's gotten a little bit more rusty, but yeah, I mean, people in Germany, generally speaking, think I'm German when I'm there. So I mean, nice. I've always been kind of, yeah. I don't know. That's awesome. So I always I think that's have... why I felt like a special connection to Germany because of that. that so on know? the last part, I was talking about you know the beauty in becoming hyper fluent. Hi, mm -hmm. attaining like the level of hyper fluency in a second language uh-huh and i said that yeah. you know it's cool to to be like b2 in like 20 different languages that's cool oh yeah of course but being like ultra hyper fluent in one language is something different like there's something mm -hmm. to that that is that is unique that you don't get from you know being able to dabble or conversate in in uh, 20 other different languages what yeah, do you think about that 
Well, that's actually something that I've been really enjoying in my uh, my degree in conference interpreting these past two years because really what they told me when I got there is like, put all your other languages aside and concentrate on these languages mm -hmm. and get as fluent as you can in them, mm -hmm. including English. Um, and I actually, I think that's really cool too. I think it's really interesting how deep you can dive into a language. There's always more, yeah. there's always something new. There's always cultural references, expressions. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, yeah, I mean, if you choose to, you could literally work your whole life on one language. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would agree with that. So do you so think- So you've been, you've been doing this program for two years now? Yes, yeah, and I'm going into can, my, can, my last year. Yeah, can you ex just explain like how that's been? Cause yeah, like, I'm very the idea curious. that I have of that is that like, it's probably like really intense, hey? And like, I can imagine the other students are probably like really, really like high caliber people, am I right? Yeah, and it's definitely been an emotional roller coaster for sure. Um, so it's, um, yeah, it's a very intensive program and three fourths of it so far I've done online because I was over in Paris until March of 2020 and then it kind of shut down. So yeah. I did the end of the first year um, online and then all of this last year online. Um, but yeah, I mean, they expect a really high caliber of language knowledge and I'm told every day that my French isn't good enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they're, the French are not, they don't give away compliments like maybe uh. North, America, North Americans do. They're not gonna be like, oh, you're great. No, no sugarcoating. Um, no, yeah. no, no. If you get like the equivalent of like a B, that means you're exceptional in their grading uh. system. I mean, so um, yeah, it's been pretty stressful and there have definitely been times where I'm like, okay, uh, I'm just gonna move to some island in like the Pacific, <laughs> screw this. But. <laughs> so but um, it's been a good experience too. So what's something that you would practice or study in interpreting? I've always been fascinating. Like I took one translation class and it was just kind of like a, something I could take, but interpreting is like, it's different from translation where I can sit down with a text and yeah. look up references and, you know, really build the context to what I'm translating. Whereas interpreting, that's like instantaneous. So yeah. what, what kind of practice, what kind of exercises does that entail to get well, good? So every, every interpreting school does it differently. Yeah. And mine starts out with consecutive, which okay. is they expect you to listen to a speech or a talk for up to six minutes and you take notes on it mm -hmm. and everyone's notes are very individualized. Yeah. Um, there's no, it's not like shorthand. And then immediately once you're done talking, you're expected to essentially give that speech again in the target language six and minutes yeah i mean that's that's the length of the exam at the end six minutes and then this coming year we're gonna start doing uh simultaneous so i actually haven't started that yet uh, okay okay but, uh, people have varying opinions some people say they prefer simultaneous they find it easier than trying to remember you know what someone mm. said six minutes ago yeah. in notes <laughs> but yeah. uh yeah it's it's definitely tough. And that's where like knowing a language really well comes in. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you have your passive languages, which are Russian and French for me, right. which you only interpret out of. Uh -huh. And uh, so you have to understand those 
as close to perfectly as you can. Mm -hmm. But then mm -hmm. your active languages, which for me are English and German, you have to be able to express yourself really well. Like you have to yeah. not like stumble on trying to express an idea, which is actually pretty tough. So Especially Jack, if I understood it's... you there, if I understood you there, so English and French, you go, or sorry, English and German, you translate, but you interpret back and forth, right? For German, the way the program is set up is that I would interpret from German, Russian, or French into English. Uh, and then I would interpret from English into German. Okay, that makes too. sense. So that's what active means. Like yes. I'm trying to understand the connotations here. Yeah. So active means you go back and forth. It's a two-way street. Yes. But the passive yeah. ones, that's a one-way street. You only translate out of them. From, yeah. From and of them. course, like, it depends where you're going to work later on too. Um, on the private market, there's, you could theoretically also... Uh, although it's not sanctioned by the interpreting community, people do interpret from their passive languages into their passive languages mm. sometimes. But generally speaking, yeah, you're supposed to just interpret into your active languages. Wow, right. that's intense, man. <laughs> so what, like, what's a, do you have an example of like a complex idea? Like, or an experience that you've had where it's like, any you do up, go name up against of any, any name of any ministry, any name of any like, environmental organization concept right. uh, i just remember once uh it was like uh, we were listening to german speech and then the person said bundesministerium für umwelt und irgendwas umweltschutz and um then i said something kind of approximate i was like right. uh, you know the the ministry for environment and my teacher got so angry at me she was like was it not the correct translation you have to so you have to like you have to know the equivalent names in all these different languages for organizations like the administer of the epa or something like that yeah and then you have to know like if they're like in the beginning like um sehr geehrte abgeordnete sehr geehrte whatever you know like you go down the line um chers amis uh whatever um you have to know like how you'd say that in the other language so it doesn't sound clunky but do, do you, so do you have to know would it be like the equivalent position in the US? Um that's a good question. Or what do you go I after? I think it depends. Because it depends on the country, right? It like depends that on equivalent the country. position depends on if it's in Canada, the US, Australia, like you know what I mean? Like that's tricky. That's I thought your first times, I actually. thought your first translation there was good. Yeah, well, I got the tell that to my teacher. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but um just a yeah, French no, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> now she's uh she's just a very intense teacher but uh, yeah, yeah yeah i have to say all the teachers are actually they're really good but they're just very intense intense so but, what about uh, the students are they all like international students or are they mostly french students uh there's probably a majority french i would say maybe like two-thirds are french and then the rest are from everywhere so mm, yeah and so and that's why french languages is like are so important there right which is unfortunate for me but Okay, so okay, so these four languages, English, German, Russian, French, outside of class, like are you doing something different than like a normal casual polyglot might be doing? Because obviously it's your I try to. Like what is it? It's just yeah. like are you watching Netflix? Are you listening to music? Oh, yeah. Are you reading? Like, is it all like the normal things a casual polyglot might do, except like there's a little like extra pressure or importance on those? On that practice um yeah it depends on if i'm like aiming for it to be interpreting practice or just okay okay and language enjoyment 
right. it's just language enjoyment then yeah just watching shows you know not looking up every word just trying to you know just understand it in context yeah um but training for like expanding your vocabulary for interpreting is very different because you actually do have to be very concentrated. It's actually not fun <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> right, right. Like you, you watch a show, you hit something you don't understand 100% sure or like 100% and you have to look it up. Yeah. Like if, if they say in French, like for example, I've been watching the show Lupin. Uh -huh. Oh yeah. Lupin. Lupin. Yeah. 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 Oh, for sure. Yeah. And they like, you know, they'll mention like random like school references like in this grade or whatnot. I have to like stop and look it up like okay what is that you know what what class are they talking about what um grade because that stuff could potentially come up in an interpreting situation so so would that be more cultural than language per se yeah yeah but it's also it all is part Body of culture is language no i know i know but like yeah like jack might understand the french completely but then it's like okay what is this a is this a reference to like like sometimes my yeah. parents make references to old movies like i don't get them i exactly i get yeah. the literal words but i don't get the reference it's the same thing yeah right? and like there's a difference between understanding the words and like understanding what they're talking about uh-huh right, like, right 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 marcus i don't know have you like done any intensive russian learning or was it like okay I don't know. Where's the red square? I've gone through like I've gone through like ten Pimsler episodes, and I have a Russian coworker. Okay, wait, wait. Let me see if you understand this. I know some idiomatic expressions. I know an idiomatic expression. That's where I was gonna go. Wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Работа не волк? Работа не волк? Велес не обжит. Okay, um, and in the forest? Yeah, Actually, no, I don't. What is so it? it means that that uh, work, so literally it means work is not a wolf. Uh-huh. Uh, it then doesn't go know. into the woods or something it doesn't, like that? It doesn't run away into the woods. And it means that there's well, always going to be work Okay. Велес не обжит. Велес не обжит. Убежит. Okay, yeah. yeah. So it so it's an idiomatic expression that basically states that there's always work to do. Don't worry. <laughs> it's true, yeah. You know, in Soviet Russia, there's always work to do. How do you like that, Ian? <laughs> oh well Ukrainska, Budlaska, but um Jack, <laughs> Ukrainska. <laughs> uh okay, you had Czech before Russian, am I correct? Um no, I had Russian first and then Czech. They were more or less the Kind of I learned more or less the same. Yeah, I both I learned both of them at uh, school in Germany. Right. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Because I was going to ask you if like if one helped the other, but I guess if you're doing them simultaneously, um, I would say more the opposite. One confused me whenever I was trying to speak the other one. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. yeah. But like at the polyglot gathering when I was really like into Czech slash yeah. Slovak, yeah, it was so hard to switch over to Russian. And then when I was in Russia, uh, I could like not speak Czech. It was like right, it was okay. Like a, so you kind of got to block out. Yeah. What we've been calling on this show like anchor languages, but like Richard Simcoe. Yeah. Oh, um, he does. Like, well, like, uh, like, like I was saying, I was gonna, I was asked, like, theorizing that your Czech was super strong to help your Russian or vice versa. But then you kind of um, got to block one out when you're living one. That could, yeah, that could possibly 
yeah, I think if you really, if you're really strong in a language that won't happen as much, but with um, the Slavic languages, I was kind of learning them at the same time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would be concentrating really hard on one. Right. And then it would confuse me when I was trying to speak another one. And I had the same thing with Norwegian and Dutch. Um, I learned them about the same time. Right. And I remember, uh, yeah, I don't, they're not that close, but I, I had, no. it. Uh, so I remember, um, I had, it was like a week after I gotten back to Germany from Norway, I was going to the airport in Amsterdam. And I was like, I, I was having a perfect time understanding everything they were saying, but anytime I would open up my mouth, Norwegian would come out. And then I like, especially with like, yai, and then like, yai. I don't know if you've learned any, like yai in Dutch is like Dutch. you. Oh. Yai in Dutch is you, and then yai in Norwegian. It's me. Yeah, so like oh. I would be like, <laughs> so I would constantly be like, <laughs> they'd be like, why are you talking about me? And I was like, no, I'm trying <laughs> to talk about myself. <laughs> yeah, there's always like, confusing things like that and sim- like i know in, in chinese and korean a problem i have right now is that in in chinese one is e mm-hmm. and in korean e is two <laughs> so, uh, so i keep saying like e when i want to say uh, or i sorry i keep saying <laughs> e when i want to say like ill because ill is one in korean so like that's just been super confusing for me so you just get you just get two two portions of whatever you're ordering <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. but you know what jack, i got another question for you jack so you've been thrown around you've been thrown around a lot of languages here but i don't think we've mm-hmm. talked like which languages have you learned um so yeah i started off with spanish and go in like chronological chronological order even though that's not the order of like best to worst but then I went to Chinese. Uh, then I started learning German after that, um, then French. So those were like my high school languages. And then when I was in Shanghai, when I was 18, I was like, I wanna, I wanna learn another language. So then I, was, I decided to learn Dutch because it was kind of close to German. Um, and then, so then I had Dutch. Then when I was, when I was 19, um, when I was on that trip in Europe, I started learning Norwegian and then I learned a little bit of Serbo-Croat because I was uh, down in the Balkans too. Okay. And then uh, when I started university in Germany, I was studying Slavic studies. So that's when I started Russian and then like actually studying Serbo-Croat in a class mm-hmm. and then Czech. Um, and then I started doing some Greek on the side on my own. Um, like I had a lot of like little language dabble stints. Like uh, there was Hungarian, which I would not claim to speak in any form now. Uh, Greek, which I could maybe like order food in. Um, <laughs> and yeah, what else? Now, I mean, I did a little bit of Esperanto just cause you know, you're around polyglot oh, yeah. so much. So at some point it kind of, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, you, <laughs> you jump on the bandwagon. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. And then my most recent one is Japanese. Yeah. Cool. I've done Dang. Italian too, a little bit, Italian, Portuguese, okay. but like, you know, I can bullshit my way through maybe a simple situation, but yeah. So you've got, wow, that's, that's quite impressive, but I think it's interesting. You got the same like core as me, like French, German, Spanish, Chinese. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now I'm like, of course, now I'm branching out to Korean, but um, I'm, I'm not big into the dabble life. I'm not like you and, uh, in here so i've just got those ones and of course i know like words in other languages dude but... I re- i'm i'm a dabbler too come on man oh no <laughs> you're on, not man. as much as you 
Отлично говорить по-русски. Something that would annoy me about Korean is that they like got rid of all the, what do they call them, hanja, all the Chinese characters. Yeah. Coming from a perspective of having learned Chinese, that would be like, dang, that was where I was supposed to like get a, like go ahead, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, like my experience with hanja in in Korea so far has been like, you see it sometimes, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like in terms of like actual written texts or anything, like you never see it. It's funny though, because that's changed so much recently because my, um, my grandpa worked for the World Bank back in like the 80s and he brought a book back from the 80s from Korea and it looks like Japanese except with, with um, Hangul in it. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, like there's, there's just so many Chinese characters and it's just like, I mean, that must have just changed recently. So like mm-hmm. written linearly? Like, like the Hangul? Well, they, they write it well, in the book. Oh that, yeah, they um, write it vertically. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, they write it vertically from, at least they used to, maybe not anymore, but there was also just a ton of Chinese characters. Yeah. Um, but they, I think they started to phase uh, it out. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Cause I haven't like even my resources as like I'm more beginner now than Cody. But Cody, have you seen any? Like you, okay, being in Korea, you see it the odd time. Yeah, like you see it on buildings, and like if you go to a restaurant, maybe you see a few hanja. Yeah. And like just some other, like if you go to other places, and maybe in the subway station, like there you might see a couple, but like yeah, it's. Yeah, does it make it hard really... to does it make it hard to read because there's so many homonyms, right? Um, well, you, it actually reading Korean is super easy. Like, there's a lot of homonyms, but not as many as you would think. And it's actually kind of funny because, especially when you're walking around the street, like I find my experience has been like ha- almost half the time I'm reading something, I get super serious. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, and I'm like, oh, that's English. Hungle sets you up to think you're being like super awesome <laughs> and like oh english yeah but cody that must be half the fun though in korea is just reading stuff on the streets yeah i really enjoy because i i mean i've talked about this before i really enjoy reading and just visually based things so um i really just enjoy being on the street and absorbing everything and seeing what's what's on the street because especially being in seoul man this place like there's so much going on yeah it's like definitely i think it correct me if i'm wrong but i think it is the most densely populated city in the world that was totally up up there it's oh it's it's one of them yeah but right yeah there's there's a lot of action here and i find like everywhere you go like there's always like these hidden nooks and crannies and like, there's just so much to explore. Yeah. Okay. But okay. Shifting gears again, Jack, um, uh-huh. how long have you, uh, so you, would you say that you're based in Europe? I know you, COVID has been weird, but. but you... So this last year and a half, I have not been based in Europe, but yes. Um, as of August, I'll be back there. And, and so, okay. So how long have you lived in Europe or been based? Since in Europe, I was, I since I was 17. Okay. So since when I did my senior year of high school there. Okay. And I mean, with little exceptions, like I was, I'm 26 now. So it was like okay, well. 17 to 25. So good eight years. Um, and then now 26. 
go back over. Okay, yeah. that's cool. So, 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 you know, identity-wise, would you identify as um, as European or or American, or or how do you? It's always the question, right? It's kind of like this a philosophical is, this is fascinating. question. It's this very, yeah. I mean, I've always, ever since I've lived over in Europe, identified much more with Europe, um, especially with Germany. And there were definitely times where I was like, I, I don't want to be American. I want to be German and stuff. I don't know. It's also kind of like trying to come to terms with how like other people see you, you know, mm-hmm. because like, you might consider yourself super, super European, but if people know where you're from, they might still just see you as an American. But um, I don't know. I don't, it's hard to say, honestly. Like, what is it like for you? What do you well, I don't. Good question. Icelandic. Yeah. Yeah. You. Icelandic. Okay. Yeah. Right in <laughs> halfway between North America and Europe. <laughs> That's actually difference. pretty good. Yeah. Maybe I'll identify as like the Azores or something. No, but here's so. Um, to be honest. Here's the thing. Here's I, I am when I when I for example, so I spent a couple months in Spain working mm-hmm. last year. And when I go to Europe, like I'm at home immediately. Like yeah. just going to Spain feels like going home because I've been to Spain so much. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm just landing at the airport, you get to go through like the freaking uh, you know, the machines with your because I have an EU passport. Oh so my god, go yeah, and that's always where I get... felt like they were being like outsider. Yes, yes, exactly. So <laughs> I, I get to go to like all the... the lines. I get to skip yeah, all the shunned. lines and just go through the frick the, the passport machine. Yeah. But then I mean like nice. when I land here, like I feel at home. Yeah, it's just like you're kind of transcontinental. Same... Yeah, I'm transcontinental. I'm 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 bicontinental. How about that? <laughs> Transatlantic. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. this is my kind of my stomping grounds now, Europe and North America, and I feel pretty comfortable. Um, moving around between both continents. Yeah. And I Canada mean, is honestly a little bit closer to Europe as far as like culture goes and, you know, governmental system well, in the U.S. You, you yeah, know, I would like, disagree. It depends. I, you know, Quebec. Like, I would Quebec for like, sure. But, you know, but, this yeah. is the thing. Like, I, Ontario is no very matter, American too. That's true. Yeah. No matter but what I mean, at least you guys have universal health care. Yes, but but yeah. but culturally, Canada and the U.S. are honestly right. essentially the same. Sorry, Cody. Cody, go Cody. ahead, bud. Okay, <laughs> generally, stuff. generally, the best way to describe Canada is that no matter what you're talking about, it's halfway between Europe and U- the U.S. No, it's not, man. No, it's not. Yeah, it's so much closer. You come on, man. I've lived in both places, and I've lived in Europe. I lived in the U.S. It does definitely depend where you live, because I mean, like, Alberta. Yeah. Don't come Alberta's and tell like me. The Texas don't come Canada, and tell me that Alberta is remotely close to Europe, <laughs> culturally or systematically. It's not, man. Okay, well, obviously it's a spectrum, and Jack's right. There's some, it depends on the yeah. area, but <laughs> but like, Quebec, you can make the argument with Quebec, but not not the rest of Rock, not the Rock, the rest of Canada. Jack, I wanted to ask yeah, you, right. last last summer, you did a bit of a cross-American tour too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. See, see, okay, so the, just before I tell, tell your story about like, because we're debating like, yeah, the spectrum, because I find like when I go to the States, like even like Colorado, Utah, like everything, as an outsider at least, who's only spending a few days at a time, like I'm like getting a little different vibe from different states too. Oh so, yeah, for sure. And I think right. that was especially like accentuated during COVID too, 
Okay. Because I was like, I did this road trip in co- uh, during COVID. Yeah. And like, you'd be in some states where like everyone was taking it super seriously, wearing masks everywhere. Uh-huh. And then like, I remember driving through like Iowa and it was like, COVID what? Like no one was wearing a mask, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, no, for sure. It's very varied. And yes. uh-huh. also um, culturally too, there are a lot of, I was surprised I mean, I, I visited a few cities on this road trip because I got pretty close to the Mexican border where everyone was Spanish speaking. Yeah. Um, it was like whole Spanish speaking towns. Uh, then I went to Louisiana and actually was able yeah. to meet some uh, Cajun speakers. Oh, is that how nice. you say it? The Cajun? Okay. Cajun, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So some, I met some Cajun uh, French speakers, which was pretty cool. Yeah. So there's some. Did you talk at all with them? Wow. Yeah, I did. I actually was like, I went in and they, they thought I was from France because they like, they can't really tell what an actual French accent is like. <laughs> right. They are still from like a small town, but uh, yeah, no, it was fun. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I, I'm assuming like even as an American going through, because your country is just so much more vast than ours, like just see. Well, there's just a lot more inhabited areas for sure. Inhabited, sure. Yeah, yeah we're vast too. Uninhabited. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because I saw it. Yeah. I remember it, you were in New Mexico at one point. Mm-hmm. I was in New Mexico. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are a lot of places when you go out west where just there's a lot of Spanish being spoken, which is pretty cool, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. That's what, like, well, Cody, your dad's a snowbird in Arizona, right? Like, I think the snowboard, <laughs> snowbird life, mm-hmm. Canadian. Yeah. Arizona's hot and there's golf and whatever, but like, how fun would you just be like, near near a heavily populated like hispanic populated like spanish population yeah, yeah retired like, that's, it's funny that's something that my dad would always complain about because <laughs> of course my dad's like only he's monolingual right and he would like always complain about that to me that's so funny <laughs> yeah oh, jesus look <laughs> your dad some duolingo something I've, yeah. uh, this is just like a random thought but something i've noticed that canadians say that I've heard tons of Canadians pronounce monolingual, monolingual, or bilingual is bilingual. That must be still like a linguistic difference. It might be. Kind of, it's kind of cool, like the like for me to that's an interesting like, tiny differences yeah. between Canadian oh, and American. What would you say? I would say uh, what was I gonna say? Monolingual is what I'd say. Ah. No, but when I watch lingual? when I watch when I watch Canadian like YouTubers, they always say like bilingual or my monolingual. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, that's interesting. That, I, yeah, I never that. noticed that. What do you say, Ian? Well, no, I'm just. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> no, I'm gonna. I gotta say what I'm not being conscious of. Yeah, now you're conscious of it. You can't do it. Yeah. But I could. There's got to be like a compiled list, no, of our differences. In yeah, there are a lot, but. I mean, like the they'd be subtle, thing. right? They'd be subtle. I know a difference. People in in Canada, people say supper, and in the states, people say dinner. Dinner. Where's my dinner? What do you say, Jack? <laughs> I say dinner. I wouldn't say yeah. supper, but that's like Quebec too. Quebec, they don't say dinner; they say souper. Wait, <laughs> too. Okay, so we can get in on the weird peculiarities in Quebec versus metropolitan French, but that, yeah. I feel like that's another episode. That's more extreme. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's extreme. <laughs> That's yeah, American and Canadian English is almost it's more subtle. Like there's definitely especially in the accent, like the the ow sound and the oos, like for oh, example, yeah, the word for like sure. a, you guys say about, but we say, yeah, about. You guys say a, yeah, about or like 
yeah and um that's when i'm when i'm watching youtube and like um someone will just be talking and then they'll say like oh or like in my house and then i'm like, oh, <laughs> canadian <laughs> you just pick it out like that. <laughs> like it, i won't notice anything until like one of those diphthongs comes and then i'll be like canadian yes. and there's another one there's like um you guys would say like a bike like a bike a bicycle oh, yeah. and we would bike, say bike. bike no i say bike too like oh really yeah that, yeah, yeah that's people say bike yeah. But it's also like the words that you use, like obviously the A in Canada, but then also like bud, throwing in bud at the end of sentences. Like my boss, he always tells me like, hey, Marcus, how you doing there, bud? Oh, yeah. bud. yeah, that's kind of, yeah, like, that's that's kind of what douchebags in the, in the U.S. do. Pardon? <laughs> the bud is kind of like a douchebag thing in the U.S. Yeah, but okay, here in Canada, we're big that's time totally douchebags, all of us. Or if you want to be new for you, say bye. bye. Hey, bye. Hey, bye. Hey, bye. Like, bye. boy, but bye. Yeah. Well, I mean, Newfie, that's just a different language. No, I know. That's We need to do an episode on that, for sure. Uh, <laughs> Noofs, I'm going to Noofs. Let's do what I'm in Fredericton. When I'm in Fredericton, we'll have... Like, you're getting there. Yeah. But Newfie? Fredericton, isn't that, isn't that a... Oh, sorry. I'm an idiot. I mean, New Brunswick. I was going to say, you're I'm getting there. Sorry. You're getting there. <laughs> Proximity. I, I, I'm, it's late here in Ontario. It's okay. He's not a permanent there. resident <laughs> yet, folks. Yeah, no, I'm there. Don't worry. He did pass Selpip though. Dude, yeah, I, honest, I, I mean, like, <laughs> you would have gotten farther than most Americans. They'd be like, New Brunswick, what? <laughs> New Brunswick, yeah. Is that in England? Yeah, exactly. Um, Honestly. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Okay. If I ever go to St. John's, then we'll do live from there. A new fee up. Some yeah, of the accents yeah. sound almost Irish, I think. Uh, yeah. Like, they're really weird. I need to learn a bit of the exact history i think yeah there's gotta be irish influence well yeah newfie is like half irish half canadian like that's what the, is the there accent any scots is in that is there any scots in that maybe maybe yeah uh, we need to learn about newfoundland yeah so um, what about what do they speak in new brunswick that's french and they're bilingual hey <laughs> yeah it's like yeah, 30 it's like one third french two thirds english yeah yeah and i think there's some it, tensions it, too actually okay but it's not like ottawa yeah. where everyone's perfectly bilingual are you joking uh <laughs> no, i'm joking yeah. okay i was gonna say <laughs> oh now maybe, maybe if you go to gatineau but not if you're in not if you're maybe in not. ottawa proper yeah yeah maybe not i don't know i've never been to ottawa but people always tell me that everyone in ottawa is, is uh, maybe like officially i bet all the native french speakers are bilingual but probably not all the english speakers yeah yeah that's right yeah my um, my perception of Ottawa is that like it's just filled with a bunch of a bunch of Justin Trudeau's like everyone's like Justin Trudeau <laughs> in Ottawa. Yeah. Nice flow. Nice flow. Bunch nice of people flow. saying nice, you shall nice not pass. bilingualism. <laughs> you shall. <laughs> JD Gandalf. Yeah. Um, um all right. I want to switch. Okay. I'm I'm switching gears here because I, I gotta ask Jack about. I haven't talked to him since really since he does his okay. So Jack, you were in Russia and Ukraine. Yes. Right? I've been the Soviet uh, former Soviet republics I've been to are Russia, Ukraine, Moldova, and Belarus. Oh snap, man. Okay. All right, you got lots of perspective then. Uh, You've been to Belarus? Yes. Before oh, that's the, a rare one. Before the recent most recent election. So okay. you did the team. you did the TV interview in Belarus, no? Yeah, yeah, there oh, was what? one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you might be able to find it on YouTube. Somewhere. I think it's yeah. I remember uh, back in the day. 
You ever dabbled in Belarusian? Um, some of this stuff, like if you're in Ukraine, more so, because you see a lot more written Ukrainian in Ukraine than you see written Belarusian in Belarus. Uh But you pick up some of it through osmosis, kind of. Uh, But no, I've never like actively learned either language. What was this TV interview all about? Um, I went to a Russian language school there back in 2017. So I guess right after Ian and I met and uh, yeah, they just were like interviewing. It wasn't just me. It was like other people. Right, were, like, right. Okay. Camp. And my Russian was a little bit more advanced than some of the others. So they were like, we're going to interview this guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So nice. did, awesome. what do you, okay. So I guess, yeah, that's interesting. What's your impression between like Russia and then the former Soviet States? Like even because we had our buddy Leon one podcast like like just if you give like just an impression of each of those countries like um, even moldova yeah like romanian no you know they call it moldovian like, um well they call it romanian more now so but they did used to call it Mold- moldovan moldavian right moldovan um Zik, as they used to call oh, it okay. now they call it now they just call it Rumunski, uh, romanian was that with the cyrillic script they used to write it with Cyrillic. If you go to the um, separatist region, Transnistria, uh-huh. I mean, no one no one speaks Romanian there, but when you see it written, it's written in Cyrillic still. Uh, okay. So that's like the last stronghold of uh, Cyrillic <laughs> Romanian. <laughs> right, right. Okay. And then where in Ukraine were you? Uh, I've been to Kiev and, yeah. um, and Odessa. Oh, interesting. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Did you Odessa's need- nice, eh? Odessa is really cool. It's a really beautiful town. Um, yeah. I I hope to go back someday soon. Right. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I definitely have opinions. I don't know if all no, no, I want to hear that. Not controversial. <laughs> controversial, but we no, love controversy. We love that, man. We yeah. love that. Like, because okay. I'm in, I'm interesting with league. We always talk about like Russia and Ukraine in there and the social yeah. dynamics in Ukraine. So I'm curious what your I think I think. Ukraine, I don't get me wrong, I love going there. I, I have quite a few friends from Ukraine, yeah. but I think it's just such a hot mess right now. Oh, total yeah. hot mess of a country. Been that and, for a while. Yeah. And, I, and I think a lot of it is from the government's anti Russian sentiment. Okay. And like yeah. these really pro Ukrainian people in the West. This is where my controversial opinions come from. So. <laughs> no, no, no. no okay. This is interesting. <laughs> Super interesting. Okay. Yeah. Did you feel so, like when you were there, you encountered that? No, I feel like it's there's a very big difference between day to day life and then like what the government's imposing. Uh-huh. You know, the government's stance is decidedly anti Russian. Yeah. Um, but in day to day life, uh, you know, I spoke Russian the whole time I was there. And in yeah. a lot of these places I went, I mean, the majority language is Russian. Oh, yeah. So, totally. Totally. So I never encountered any hostility. What I did encounter was. Um, when I was in Kiev recently, they had just instated a law that said if you're in like the like the service industry, you have to serve the people in Ukrainian. Right. So I was in like this really. Once I went, so I was in Kiev and I ordered a coffee, and they like I can kind of you know because of Czech and other Slavic languages, I can uh-huh. kind of understand Ukrainian, but they kept an oh, answering yeah. in Ukrainian. Then they would turn to their coworker and say like what I wanted in Russian, and then right. they would, <laughs> so it's just like. Yeah. It's a very oh, yeah. strange situation. 
Yeah. Okay. I, I know. I realized that when I, when I, uh, I, I don't know if I told you guys this before, but when I was in Norway and I hung out with Ukrainians and then I met, I made some joke about, which I shouldn't have done, but I made some <laughs> joke about uh, Crimea being Russian and I was, that did Bruh. not go well. <laughs> that did not go well. <laughs> yeah. Some yeah. people are, it's weird. I met people that are just like, eh, whatever. And then mm-hmm. some people that are like, you did not just go there. Yeah. So like, yeah. You can't say right. that. That's, yeah <laughs> yeah that's but um okay that's interesting because that makes me like just think about like okay is ukrainian kind of like a prop then in terms of when like, I, the government just symbolically forcing people well, to speak it well so like my 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 opinions about the language and whatnot are not indicative like i in no way support a lot of what the russian government is right doing. right right yeah yeah but yeah. i do think that um Ukraine has a lot of really bad language policies right now. And um, one of the things that bothered me the most, this might seem a little petty, but when I was in Kiev, you know, everyone's speaking Russian on the street. Yeah. I went to a restaurant and they had a menu. Everyone's speaking Russian in the restaurant too. They had a menu that was only in Ukrainian and then kind of like broken English. And I was like, everyone's speaking Russian, you know, why isn't this menu in Russian too? Like, so it's, uh-huh. it's, it's not as much as that, like, they don't want to have Russian as like publicly displayed as much. It's more that like they're ditching Russian and they're like embracing English full on, you know, mm-hmm. you see a lot more written English uh, in Kiev than you see written Russian, even though everyone's speaking Russian. Right. So that kind of bothers me when I'm over there. Politics. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, that's that's an interesting situation. That's very interesting. Cuz where um, I was in Lviv in like western Ukraine, like I believe from my understanding of Ukraine. Than, yeah. yeah, like that's like a Ukrainian like the, even like the Ukrainian language, I would argue, like that's yeah. the stronghold whereas once you kind of move east from there, for sure. Like the Russian like it's that like, social language. Yeah. I'm obviously yeah, quite that part of U- Sorry, go ahead, Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that part of Ukraine is, has a very different history than the rest it of the It does. Ukraine. It does. That's true. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It was part of Poland up until uh-huh. and like other countries Yes. up until World War II. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think my great grandma was actually technically born in Poland like mm-hmm. at yeah. the time, even though they identify full U- Ukrainian. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I was so going like, to say... I was going to say I'm obviously very ignorant on this compared to, mm-hmm. to, to someone who's lived in Ukraine. But um, obviously, like a lot of people in Ukraine want to be a part of the West. Like they, mm-hmm. their appeal, there's an appeal for the Western culture. They want to be yeah. a part of the EU and whatnot. Right. And it's unfortunate for, you know, us language fans. It's unfortunate because that entails rejecting the russian language right rejecting Ru- the russian language and russian culture and joining it would um, say the western mm, culture right um, the people you that say that that's accurate feel, i would say that the people that feel or that the people that really want to join the eu a lot of them feel like they have to reject that but right. i don't think that one you know disqualifies the other yeah if, if ukraine um if Ukraine were to become part of the EU, I don't see any reason why Russian still couldn't be a, a viable mm-hmm. language there. I mean, yeah. English-speaking countries have their disputes all the time, but I mean, they're still independent. 
No. Yeah, we're not in in the U.S. For example, we're not like okay, we're all going to speak Chippewa now or something, you know? Right. Uh-huh. We don't yes, but we're very so. we're very idealistic. We're quixotic. Like us language fans, yeah. polyglots, like we just want to, we want to see, like for me, for example, I love Catalonia. I love speaking mm. Catalan in Catalonia, yeah. but that's a controversial uh-huh. topic. Like I am pro-Catalan. I'm pro-Catalan. Mm. I'm pro-Catalan language. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. that itself is very controversial as well. But, you know, I don't care about the politics. I don't care mm. about Catalonia being its own thing. I care about... Yeah. Um, uh, I care about preserving the Catalan language and it's the sure, same yeah. thing in, in Ukraine, right? Like for us, we, yeah. we care about uh, preserving the Russian language in Ukraine, but yeah. for the, here's the thing. Here's the yeah. thing for the local people. They don't care. They don't language know. is culture and language is politics for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So rejecting for Russia sure. means rejecting the Russian language. I can imagine. But the, you, for you them, realize that's that how it's they like, feel like, like I've never met, as divided a society as like the US until I went to like those parts of the world because people are just very divided. There are people that are just like, you're trying to take my language away from me, my yeah. culture. I won't want to go back to like mother Russia. Uh-huh. Um, and then there are people that are like, Russia is aggressive, being aggressive, like yeah. it's the aggressor <laughs> and we want to, you know, get away from them at all costs. So it's, it's very divided. It depends yes, on who you and, talk to. And language get, gets caught up in that. It does, which inadvertently, but that's just the way it works. Language and culture are just so interconnected. Yes. Inseparable. Um, The best argument I've heard, there's a scholar named Timothy Snyder, and he kind of draws a parallel with, let's just take French, for example, Mm -hmm. of how Ukraine could still be an independent country, possibly part of the EU, and it just being like, another bastion of culture and a nation with the Russian language. Like, Mm -hmm. just like Haiti speaks French, just like uh, Quebec speaks French. Like, it's just a branch of that language. It's not like Quebec needs to really reject French to be its own thing. Like, French is now part of it, too. So, like, I kind of, he makes that argument how, like, Ukraine should just become another cradle of, like, a Russian civilization as its own thing which I've always found is the best argument for independence and preserving. And they have a very unique version of Russian too, like native Russian. Right, right, right. Like did you encounter like that? Right, exactly. Yes, totally. Well, I know there's Sergic, which is kind of like a... Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's a different story. Different story. um, Yeah, yeah. When actually Sergic is kind of on the rise because Uh people grow up speaking Russian at home. They go to school only being educated in Ukrainian, but everyone's still kind of speaking their Russian, but they never learn really how to write it or read it correctly. Uh So it's that's how certain I could could go on about this for hours. (laughs) No, 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 but this is interesting. We'll have to revisit this later. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. Ukraine is like language and culture and politics are super interesting right oh absolutely mm-hmm. yeah. and i brought up the mm-hmm. catalan example and that's something that's right that's interesting to talk about as well yeah oh yeah catalan seems like its own hotbed um yeah um, yeah and i think it's just as important to preserve you know ukrainian or catalonian what kind of irks me is when i go to these places though and they're like and i get it from their perspective you know for them like spanish and catalonia is like just normal but like when they like, for example, when they offer translations 
only in English and not in Spanish, for example. Just like, right. well, yeah, there's no, no English already. For sure. You know? <laughs> right, right. For sure. And I mean, like, you know, we're language fans. We, want, we don't want to see any language censored, right? Or disappear. Intentionally censored, disappeared. Yeah, right? we want any language every... treated as more valuable right. than another. So one. for us, we're able to disconnect the language from the politics in a way that locals like the natives, mm-hmm. I guess, can't like the, the native yeah. speakers can't. Yeah, absolutely. It's much more difficult for them. But I'm I, I man, I'm on board. I think the the censoring of the Russian language in Ukraine sounds uh it doesn't sound very cool to me. Yeah. You know, I, I, just, I was trying to be like, you know, kind of cautious when I voice my opinions about this because like I'm not Ukrainian, you know, I'm not from that place. And obviously I don't have the same experiences as, as someone who's from there, but I mean, those are just my impressions from having been there. Yeah. No. Yeah, so. And I, I find that super interesting because as a, one of my now fourth generation diaspora, like my buddy Lee cares more about like the internal happenings of ukraine like i just like uh it's been fun to like be connected to my native country but in terms of like yeah. current day politics like i'm just i'm basically an outsider just as much as anybody kind of thing. i just i just hope things get better because i mean ukraine during the soviet union used to be like the one of the most prosperous parts of the country I mean, there was all this mm-hmm. agriculture there um around 50 million people live there and ever since then um and not not to say that things were perfect in the soviet union obviously no no but, no no but no. um i mean people have just been leaving really fast and you know the standard of living has dropped immensely so i mean i'm hoping that things things get better in that part of the world for sure for sure i hope so too man yeah totally um all right jack for a bit of a wrap up here on the pod so Japanese, that's the newest language? That is my, yeah, my current hobby. Okay. I guess. <laughs> Any particular aspirations with it? Travel-wise, um, per se? Well, I would like to go to Japan one day. You know, they have to open the borders first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta get to Canada but, first. Come to yeah. Come yeah. I'm hoping July 21st, you know, crossing my fingers. Yeah, man. But um, really just, you know, being able to maybe read some manga or some you know maybe simple books in japanese it's a lot more like the reading for me that's kind of my goal okay right nice cool so, goal yeah cool that's man. cool man um, well jack we'll have to do this again yeah sure uh, i'd love to there's a lot to <laughs> let's unpack yeah lots lots unpack we'll to you for sure they'll have to be a, a round two maybe when you're in europe too yeah yeah for sure yeah man no, I'd love yeah. to get some Thanks for having me today. Dude, thank yeah, you, that was man. fun. Thank you. And uh, yeah, enjoy America Day tomorrow. I know you might not be oh, the yeah. most excited for it, but... Hey, I still, mean, there's there's fireworks. So. There's, there's fireworks. fireworks. You guys know how to put on a fireworks show. You're allowed to be a yeah. little patriotic sometimes. We used to celebrate Canada Day with Windsor. Canada America Day, you know, uh, I think yeah. it was like yeah. July 2nd or something we did in the middle. But oh, Windsor nice. is still kind of locked down, so that didn't happen this year. Yeah, unfortunate. All right. No, I 20... think it's okay to be a little patriotic sometimes, and that's coming from someone who's not very patriotic in general as well. So... Yeah, well, I'll tell you if I ever get there. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, all right. Thank you, folks. Episode forty-six with Jack Forden.
Thanks for having me. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. 